Well, good morning and welcome to La Jolla Community Church. You guys ready for this? All right, if you can stand, let's stand. If you can't feel seated, but let's all worship the Lord together, shall we?
thank you so much that your love is there for us always. It's an amazing thing. God, we're here to worship you this morning. We're here to learn about you. We hold up this morning. We invite the Holy Spirit to fall upon us as we continue to praise and worship you in Jesus' name. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of
Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we are full of joy as we worship you. It is our privilege and our joy. You are an amazing God. You created us in your image. You love us with an everlasting love. And you promise to be with us forever. Truly, Lord, you are a glorious, glorious and wondrous God. Father, we thank you for this very precious church that you have given to us. We thank you for the opportunities to serve and to learn. We thank you, Lord, for our church leaders, and we pray for our pastors and our teachers and our facilitators. We pray for the administrative board and team. And we pray for those who are unseen and behind the scenes, and for those who worship for us. Father, I ask that you would give your spirit of unity to them, bring them wisdom, strength, and multiply their time, Lord, to do those things that are in your will and your purpose. Father, we confess that too often we withhold. We withhold our time, our treasure, and yes, even our spiritual gifts. Lord, your word tells us to fear not. And Lord, fear and worry are a part of the spiritual poverty that many of us are stuck in. I pray, Lord, that you will take us into a place of spiritual riches, that is, in your grace, with your generosity, and with your, um, your grace, your generosity, and your, mm, well, it's more than that, Lord, it's our all. Father, I pray that when we hear that nudging from you, that we will be willing to take that next step in our walk of faith. Father, there are people here today who are in a, a season of circumstances that are very unsettling. Your word tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Oh, Father, I pray that you would strengthen and comfort those who are hurting, those who are lonely, those who are grieving loss, those who are uncertain of their future, and bring them to a place of knowing that you are with them always. It's your promise. And finally, Father, I pray for unity in your collective church. I pray, Father, that you would roll out your extravagant and supernatural spirit upon the churches of the world. I pray, Father, that there will be a great awakening and a fire that burns within us.
And I pray also, Father, that the name of Jesus will be loudly proclaimed throughout the world and that we, as believers, will brightly shine forth with our light, your love, your grace, your mercy, your righteousness to the world that is dark and desperate. I pray this for your glory, your honor, forever and ever, in the name of our loving Savior, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. I want to interview Kathy. Uh, isn't that an awesome prayer? Fantastic. Yes. Kathy, thank you for praying. How did you learn to pray like that? You were prepared, but you didn't read anything. You simply came up here and you, you prayed uh, over us, for us, in a way that lifted us up to the Lord. Uh, where did that come from? You know, I, I think it started with my involvement with community Bible study, to tell you the truth. I, that was modeled for me. I didn't do a lot of it, but it was modeled for me. And then when I was asked here at church, um, I have kind of learned in CBS that when someone asks you, you pray about it, and um, usually, you, you know, you follow that. Um, I didn't really want to follow that, but I did say yes, and I was blessed by saying yes, because the time at the computer, preparing, digging into scripture daily, being very familiar with the word of God was a real joy to me. It was the best part. Then, <laughs> I had to come up here, and you all are in the front row. You could see my knees shaking when I did it the very first time. I was very humbled and in tears, actually, at, at um, being called to do it. Um, but as I left that Sunday, I drove home praising God and thanking him for giving me the privilege. And then you had an experience that helped you move from the written page to... Oh, yes. Yes, I, oh, I was diligent in that, all out there, 18 font, paper, one page, right time, on my, uh, I left it at home, and was I Was this got, an Easter Sunday? It may have been an I Easter Sunday. I think it was Easter Sunday. Sunday. Yes, I was going to have to do it three times without my notes. <laughs> so what was that like? Was that sheer panic? Uh, no, I laughed, actually, Steve, because I felt, um, I, I laughed, and I said, Lord, you've been wanting me to get rid of my notes for a long time, <laughs> haven't you? And um, so, yes, that was kind of a turning point. Well, thank you. Uh, I wanted to interview Kathy because uh, we are a church rooted in prayer. That's one of our values. We are rooted in prayer. Uh, and what we do makes no sense but for prayer. Nobody would do the things we do if they weren't praying and believing that God could do it because they would be so far-fetched uh, to consider. And so uh, what does it mean to be rooted in prayer? It means that people are learning how to pray. Uh, and, and you'd think that uh, adults who are so highly accomplished at so many things would be comfortable, oh, sure, I'll pray. But, you know, right behind speaking in public, praying in public is the most fear-inducing act you can ask anybody to take on. The only thing that makes it number two is that people have their eyes closed uh, while you're praying. <laughs> but uh, we are rooted in prayer. And so we want our, our congregation to be comfortable praying, uh, praying in life groups with other people and getting over that idea that I'm supposed to be composing an eloquent essay while... Uh, on the run as I'm, as I'm praying, and, and, and instead saying, Lord, what's on my heart? What are the needs in front of me? How can I express those as I, I direct them to you? That's what prayer is. So we want people to learn how to pray with their kids uh, before they go off to school, 
Uh, we want to, we want couples to be able to be comfortable praying with each other, for each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We want when when the service is over to say, if there's something on your heart that you'd like prayer for, go right around the sidewalk here to the lovely prayer garden. Somebody will be there who will say, how can I pray for you? And of course, the one that is the most fear-inducing is what Kathy did today, to stand up here and pray on behalf of the congregation. And yet, this is so normative. We want to break the mystique over that. And God did it for Kathy by saying, yes, you did forget your notes, so pray. How many of you ever, uh, any of you uh, remember Johann de Villiers? Johann, about nine feet tall, big South African guy. Johann's <clears throat> mantra when I first met him was, God and I have an agreement. Uh, he doesn't bother me. I don't bother him. And he started hanging out with some guys who, who uh, they were in a life group. He started learning how to pray. And, and he said, I could never do that up front. And one time we said, Johan, just get up there and pray like you pray in the small group. He got up and started praying. He intimidated everybody. So for, for months, we couldn't get anybody to pray. Uh, because uh, Johan, it was big booming, I'm so Lord, I pray. You know, this, this big Afrikaner booming guy, you know. And so... Uh, he laughs to this day, and he says, if anybody is afraid to pray, have him call me. He runs a B&B with Evelyn up in Big Bear. He'd like to talk to you about what, what Kathy just said. We want you to be willing, if asked, to pray. So I, I, I'm going to give you this advice to get ready for that. It's not an unlisted number. It's not um, uh, anything like no. It's this. Start praying. When you're driving, start praying out loud. Lord, and, and what you pray in your mind, pray out loud. As you read the Bible, start taking those, those bits of scripture and make those into a prayer. Turn it around and just pray those same words back. And then sooner than you think, you're going to be able to sit at a computer and say, what do I want to do to raise up the, the needs that I know exist in our church this Sunday? And you'll write it down and you'll, you'll pray this. You'll have a prayer time, really. And then you'll leave those and you'll come up here and you'll say, would you pray with me? And if the language isn't perfect, it does not matter. What's perfect is that God listens to our prayers. And we need people like Kathy, like Johan, like you, uh, to be willing and able to pray in any kind of situation. Somebody works as I'm, I'm having a hard time, I don't know what to do, and you, you, you're a little bit tenuous, but you say, hey, um, do you believe in prayer? Oh, yeah. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, help my friend is a good prayer. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's demystify the idea that this is only for, you know, theological geniuses. It's for anybody who declares Jesus as Lord and calls him Savior. That's our freedom. So please get ready to pray in your life group, with your family, among your friends, perhaps praying for people who come here with a heavy heart and big decisions to make, or even right up here. So don't drop the mic, just stand in front of it if you don't mind, and be ready to pray. Thank you. Well, we want to welcome you this morning to the La Jolla Community Church. My name is Ian O'Mara. I'm the director of Community Life. And we want to welcome those who are watching online. I don't know if most of you see the cameras. We have over 60 people weekly watching online, so we want to welcome you. There you go. How many people have their bulletin? Oh, this is the interactive portion of the service. Come on, let's raise it up high. Stretch. Yes. On the back of that, we were just talking about prayer, is our prayer card. If you know someone that needs prayer, or if you just don't want to voice your prayer out loud, write it on there. We get together at, on Tuesdays as a staff, and we pray for each one of these prayer requests. And we also have a team that will be praying for you throughout the week. So please fill those out. Also, if you flip that over, we have our Connect card on the inside. If this is your first time, or if you've been here and you call this your home, we want to hear with you. We, we, want, to hear, we want to connect with you. If you're a first-time visitor, come see me after the service right outside, and we have a gift for you. Well, this brings us to our announcements. This summer, we have a special event. It's called Summer Fun Nights. It's our old vacation Bible school. We broke it into 
five weeks, and it's going to be amazing. And if you flip in your bulletin, you can see there's a little information. If you're one of the first 25 families to sign up, you get this summer fun basket. <laughs> this shovel, you can do many. My kids could turn this into a weapon, a spoon. <laughs> they could take it to the beach. This is amazing. There's a lot of, a lot of destructible things in here that, that your kids will love. But we want to get this out. This isn't only for our congregation. This is for our community. And that's why we're doing it on uh, Wednesday nights. It's going to start June 20th. And it's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. So if you have kids, sign up. Get your basket. If you know kids, tell them. Invite them to sign up. We want this to be a blessing to our community. We want to start pouring into that next generation. Also, save the date. If you're a member here of La Jolla Community Church, our annual meeting is going to be May 20th. Save the date. Because you can't vote by proxy. You can't attend by proxy. We're not going to have a live stream. You have to be here in the building. It's going to happen between the first and second service. So mark that on your calendars. Well, last week, we had something at the beach that was amazing. We had a baptism. And you're going to see some photos. going to start scrolling here in a second. But we had 14 people be baptized. And we got to hear the testimony of 14 people why they were choosing to be baptized. And we're going to have a little bit of an interview. We're going to talk to people. Yeah, let's celebrate that. We're going to have a little interview of some people that came to attend. Now, Dick Chapel here, he's a, a member of the board. He's a longtime member of the church. But you had special relationship with this baptism. You want to tell us about that relationship and tell how, how it felt for you? Thank you. Well, Penny and I uh, have 11 grandkids, and three of them were baptized this Sunday. This Sunday last Sunday, I mean. So that was quite a, quite a deal. I could tell you so many exciting moments in that, but I don't have the time. So I'm going to just talk about one, and that's, uh, that's the high school kids. And uh, they were all kind of standing around. The water was cold. There was a little bit of anxiety there. Who was going to go first? And my granddaughter, Stephanie, uh, uh, Samantha Yu, uh, stepped out. And I didn't know whether she stepped out or was pushed out because she's a freshman. But uh, as she goes out, coming right beside her is her dad, uh, Steve Yu. And uh, boy, this is what I love about this church, is that his only credential for going out and be part of a baptism was his love for his daughter and for the, 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 for the strength and desire that he had to be out there with her in the special moment in her life. And so the waves were breaking. Uh, Natalie met him. Uh, the water was beautiful. Uh, they went out about uh, waist deep into the waves. And uh, that was about shoulder for Natalie. Uh, Steve's about 6'3". <laughs> And uh, it was just a wonderful thing. She came up out of the water, baptized in the, in the name of the Father, uh, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And a big hug uh, with Natalie and then this big embrace with her dad. It was just something really special. And I stood on the, on the uh, shoreline there and just as a grandfather just took it all in. And my prayers were taking it in and then just passing it on up to God. It was just a wonderful moment. Thanks. Now, Wendy, you didn't have any relatives there, but you came and supported. Can you tell us about that? Well, I really came for the free hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, deep down, I'm really shallow. Um, no. Um, walked up to this large group of people from our church that I had never even seen because there were so many young people. And I was so proud of our church. We never see the teenagers in here or the little kids and their families. 
So to see this, it's like a third wing over there. Um, they were, it was so impressive. And the little kids were giving their <laughs> testimonies on why they were being baptized. And one said, um, God wants me to do this. And another said, um, I, um, anyway, they, they all had these cute little things. They, they were talking from their heart. It was just fantastic. As they went down into the water, um, pretty soon after they had baptized a few people, other people from the beach were coming down. And I was thinking, wow, what a ministry. Yeah. And it turns out they thought somebody was drowning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I came home and I told my husband, wow, our church is really alive. These kids get it. The high school kids were hugging each other. There was uh, just something, that the Holy Spirit's working in that group. And um, they have now uh, two camps going uh, in the next uh, month or so. Um, and I right away called some people and said, would you like to go to camp? I think um, what happens at the camp, I know in my life, um, is so life-changing for these kids. And uh, I strongly advise that if you have grandkids or friends that you could send to camp, this is really working in this church, and we are so grateful to have the leaders, and Natalie and Rihanna, and they're just doing such a good job. So I came away real high. Thank Thanks, you. This is to emphasize that we're a family of families, and it doesn't have to be granddaughters or sons and daughters. It's a church family, and that's one of our values. The older supporting the younger, the younger supporting the older. That's what we're all about. Well, I'd like to welcome up Pastor Steve Murray. Well, thank you. Uh, I want to give you an update. Uh, probably most of you have received a letter or an email from me in the last week. If, if you haven't, get on our, our uh, mailing list and we'll send you that. Uh, you know, this is, uh, we're in a season of growth. And, uh, you know, last October we, we did a harvest festival. We had 1,000, 1,100 people out here. Uh, the week before Easter, we had about 750 people out here for a really fun event. Uh, on Palm Sunday weekend. We had 375 family members out here uh, last Friday night that we had 100 people show up for the baptism. So there's a lot, a lot going on. We were at the Aventine Christmas Eve, we had 1,000 people. We, we don't have a lot of room here, so we've used whatever we can. We front-loaded for growth. We've been talking about this for a long time, and we're in the midst of it, and, <clears throat> and we've hit a critical point. And so I sent you a letter to give you a heads up on where we are, and I wanna fill in a little bit more detail for you right now. Um, first of all, thank you uh, in response to the letter for so much new giving and increased giving. Uh, I, it was great hearing from so many people so positively about our vision and mission, saying I'm all in. I had no idea what was going on. I love this church. I, I love being involved in it. I, I take it for granted. So thank you for giving me a heads up that we're in a, we're in a, a pinch mode right now. Basically, God is preparing us for a new season of ministry. Uh, this church is alive and growing. We pray that for every congregation in San Diego, that every church would be alive and growing. We hope that everybody has growth problems in San Diego, in the body of Christ. Catholic, Protestant, non-denominational, denominational, large, small, urban, rural, we don't care. We want the body of Christ to thrive and grow. If somebody said to me, what, what, what do you want to see here in the next few years? I want to see a parking problem. Uh, I, want to see, uh, uh, I want to see people saying, hey, we need more services, we need more sites, uh, whatever. So that's what God's doing. And so um, some of you are also shocked by the letter saying, well, oh my gosh, are we, are we in jeopardy? We're not in jeopardy unless we don't respond. <laughs> uh, we're not in jeopardy. We're, we're in the predictable place of any, any group of people committing to grow. 
So let me tell you, uh, just to give you a summary talking points, because I've had so many conversations with people, our board members have had so many conversations with people. Uh, there are so many false narratives being strewn out there because people are trying to make sense of it all. I feel like I live in Washington, D.C. And there's so much fake news out there. And it's not vicious, it's just people trying to say, well, what happened? Why are we doing this? Why is this happening to us? I thought we were growing and going. So <clears throat> let me just summarize uh, some talking points that you can then in turn share with your friends if, if uh, it's gonna be a lot of information in a short period of time. So just say, go to the May 5th worship service, uh, watch the video, and you can get all the information you want about where we are right now. So I'm giving it to you in real time uh, right here. We are immediately reducing program budgets and deferring any expenses possible. Uh, then as of July 1, Heidi Nguyen and Michael Campion's positions will end. Uh, Dom will serve as our interim director of worship in addition to his current duties, and later in June we will celebrate Michael's 11 years of service wow. here at La Jolla Community Church. Um, these are serious, serious things that we're doing. We will reduce salaries, uh, staff salaries, 12.5%, including mine. Kyle uh, Krumsick, our junior high director, will move to part-time. Uh, we'll reduce Michael Hedman's hours uh, as our care ministry coordinator from 25 to 10. We will reduce our custodial staff by one part-time position. We will need volunteers to replace uh, interns in children's and youth ministry. People would say, I'll step up and be a, a non-paid uh, volunteer uh, in those ministries. And of course, we're going to clone Drake and Mary uh, because it's impossible to do their jobs. Is Drake's job is head of facilities. Mary is overseeing all the the administrative needs of the church. That's as of July 1. As of August 15, uh, Natalie Brewer, our high school director, uh, will move to part-time. Uh, what are we asking you to do? Uh, primarily, we're asking you to pray uh, for our church in this financial crunch. We don't want you to wring your hands. We want you to go to the Father. Uh, we don't want you to point fingers saying, well, who did something wrong? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Nobody. But it's his call to go to the Father. He's preparing us for something, and it starts with him. Uh, specifically, pray for our board, who are giving great leadership. Pray for our staff. We have a fantastic staff. And pray for our mission. All this is driven by our mission. Not anybody's preferences or fears or concerns, our mission. Uh, we then also, we ask you to give to your highest capacity financially. Many of the letters we got back to uh, this week said, I just had no idea. Uh, I thought there were wealthy people in La Jolla that just always filled in the gaps. Um, no, uh, that would be us here. Uh, some live in La Jolla, some live all over, uh, some live immediately around the church. We are a family, and we need together uh, to step up and give to our highest capacity financially. Uh, and then to consider serving in children's or youth ministry. Consider being a life group facilitator. We have 21 people. We can't get into life groups because we don't have enough facilitators. We can't pry people out of the concern. You know, we have hundreds of people in life groups already. They so much love their life groups, they don't want to leave it to be a facilitator for a new group. So we're, these are growth pains I'm talking about. <clears throat> How did we get in this situation? Well, uh, as some of you, and by the way, if you're busy with us today, uh, welcome to a family meeting. <laughs> <laughs> you might think, why did I come today? You know, what? Um, uh, but this is our family. We are a very authentic family. We talk about things in real time that we need to talk about. There's no question you can't ask here, no issue you can't raise. Um, and so by being as transparent as possible and proactive as possible, uh, we stay hopefully in step with what the Lord is doing in us and through us. 
So how did we get in this situation? It wasn't because of the property sale being thwarted. Uh, we were going to sell our property for $35 million. And the point of that was not to get money, but to get money out of the ground instead of putting more buildings on it, uh, to develop the property, to double our usable space, uh, to reduce our and get rid of all debt. And we were going to have $10 million in the bank that we were going to spend over a 10-year period for mission and ministry in addition to our budget. That was our big, glorious vision. And we took it as far as we could. And then at the last minute, it was thwarted. Uh, we, have a, we had a very phenomenally comp competent professional team of people in our congregation guiding that sale to a phenomenal developer. The city was all for it. And one of the local uh, property owners threatened to sue us. Not us, but the developer. The developer said, we can't proceed if we have a lawsuit against us. So that's where it stood. So that came to a screeching halt in August. But this crunch is not because of that. It wasn't also because of the remodel we just finished. We did a half a million dollar remodel. Following that, we said, let's fix up the, the place we're in. The termites are tired of holding hands, holding it up. <laughs> so let's start, let's, you know, uh, let's make real bathrooms. So let's do some things that we need to do. Uh, but it wasn't because of the remodel that we're in this crunch. That was a whole separate budget, fully funded on its own, and now just slightly over budget because in the midst of it, the city required us to do some things that weren't part of the original plan that you can't negotiate with the city. Because the slope was one quarter of an inch off on the concrete, we had to tear out all the concrete. But we're pretty much even on that um, at this point, a little over. That's not the problem. It wasn't mismanagement. We have a knowledgeable and hands-on finance team. Some are CPAs, others are CFOs. They're all really sharp people who consider their ministry to manage well the resources of the church. There's two things you should know about this church. Uh, the main one is that we're very entrepreneurial. The two things you need to know is that we're super command and control about two things, children and finances. Children, uh, children's safety and protection is sacrosanct, uh, and we, don't, we have no uh, wishy-washy fudge factor in that. That's just very clear. Same thing with money. We're scrupulous about money. Transparent, it's well-managed. So this wasn't a mismanagement issue. Um, and by the way, our CFO, Executive Director Mary Rugg, was formerly the treasurer for the city of San Diego. We do an annual audit. Our board uh, reviews the financials every single month. Our staff are scrupulous in managing their budgets. That was not the issue. We are simply in a temporary cash flow crunch. And because our management team is so on it, they recognized a couple weeks ago these converging factors that all of a sudden piled up that if we don't deal with them now, we will have a major catastrophe sometime this summer. So we're creating a crisis now. Crisis means crossroads. Do we avoid it and deny it, or do we pursue a solution to it? Knowing that if we wait until the summer, it's even worse. If we do something now, we could, be, we could turn this around in six to 18 months. We don't know that, uh, but that's what we think. Uh, uh, and so this was not um, any, anything to do with nobody watching the store. It's basically saying, some things happened all at the same time that we realized, okay, we've got to take some action that we didn't anticipate taking. And so we need about $200,000 of, of increased or new giving to reserve a growth budget. As I said, we are the solution uh, to that. As we turn to the Lord in prayer, as we start to say, Lord, what, what are you calling me to do to contribute to this church's capacity to be a missional church? Because we see ourselves as a launching pad for mission. We want everybody to think missionally. And to do that, we have to then create a framework for that to be nurtured 
and incubated. And so until then, we'll be in a maintenance budget while we continue to pursue our mission and to pursue growth but at, a very, at a very reduced pace. So we're not stopping, we're not pausing and putting ourselves on hold, we're saying we've got to re reduce our pace and our scope to keep plugging away, but we can't get ahead of what the Lord is giving us to work with. We feel like that would be poor stewardship. Uh, even the people who are adversely, all of us, adversely affected by this are full in on the mission. So that's where we are. And, and one, one final bonus question I want to answer for everybody uh, that, that is hanging out there. Why don't we have a choir? Why don't we have a choir? I thought I'd take an easy question to deal with uh, while, we're, while we're here today. Uh, we brought in a consultant last year to work with our board and our staff. Talk about, okay, how do we align ourselves for more growth? We were very cozy and happy being who we were. But we felt like, is this the best use of who we are and what we have, what God has entrusted to us? Should we be doing more to reach a very rapidly expanding community that we're right in, we are right in the heart of? If, if the mall is spending $1.2 billion to grow to affect the community, what are we doing? If we're the spiritual version of the SOC Institute and they're investing, what should we do to invest in the mission of God in our community? And so we brought in a consultant to work with our board and staff. Their recommendation, his recommendation, was that we need a new paradigm for worship if we're going to expand our outreach he is not anti-choir, nor am I anti-choir. But a traditional church choir is not part of our worship strategy at the moment. It's a great thing, it's just not part of our core strategy aligned with our core mission right now. I know this is a very painful thing for people who are in the choir and those that loved our choir. A dawn will be leading music this summer and fall, but it will not include a choir. Our mission doesn't require a choir. But it does require congregational worship, a congregational choir, like we're doing today, singing, worshiping God through song, praying to Him, hearing stories of faith, hearing the Word of God presented, preached, taught, hearing testimonies from people about God's work in their lives that encourage us. It also requires a fully staffed discipleship opportunity for children, youth, and adults. We want to put our resources in that core part of our church to raise up families and we around us. I love the fact that um, Wendy, who can look down from her house onto La Jolla Shores, when she looks on La Jolla Shores now, she says, I remember 100 people standing down there giving praise to Jesus and baptizing people in his name. I like my beach a lot better. And we believe if we all come around that, our whole family is going to thrive. It's an inconvenience to welcome new life into a family, isn't it? It's a wonderful, wonderful, blessed inconvenience, isn't it? And so our hope is that, that uh, the members of our church will support our mission with or without a choir. Uh, let me ask you, uh, this is a test question, just to, just to get a sense of, of familiarity. How many of you have ever heard of the Great Commission? Okay, about 15% of you, uh, about 18% of you have heard of the Great Commission. The national statistic among people in churches is that only 15% of anybody in any church in America knows what the Great Commission is. I saw that statistic yesterday. Uh, another percentage of people are familiar with the term, they just don't know what it is. But the vast majority, 85% of people in American churches don't know what the Great Commission is. I'll tell you. It's in Matthew 28 when Jesus gathers his disciples following the resurrection. He says, all authority has been given to me. 
on heaven, I mean on earth and in heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples among all people in all places under my authority, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always in that process. That's the core of our mission, helping everyday people walk with Jesus every day. So really, our mission is the driver of what we do. And now this might sound kind of harsh. Well, why would that be the driver? Because what else would we do? This is not Steve's church. This is not the board's church. This is not the biggest donor's church, the oldest member's church, the founding member's church, the loudest voice, the littlest voice, the littlest kid, the oldest person, the person who can give the most and withhold the most. It's Jesus' church. We're called together in his name. We haven't invited him to come to our party. He's called us together to be his people on mission with him. He says, get out of the warm bath eating marshmallows and jump into clothes and follow me. I've got something to teach you and something to do. And the more people that come, to, come alive in Christ, the, the better it is, right? We're better together. So this is the driver of our church. And it's not a driver like it's painful. It's, it's the motivator. It's about a mission for God that we get to be a part of. What a glorious, joyous privilege that is. And so we make all of our decisions at every level in this church about how does that align with and support our mission? So if you see kids out here uh, having water balloon fights, you can guarantee yourself that somehow that supports our mission. So literally, it could be the craziest thing, but you go, you know what, there's a direct link between that and our mission. So when the cops came down when they were having an airsoft war at 2 a.m. one night, what did our junior high guys say? Officer, we're on a mission. <laughs> right, would you please warn us next time you're gonna do your mission at 2 a.m. with airsoft guns, because your neighbors are freaking out. You know, you know, okay, we'll change the time and we'll let people know. But you see the point of that? It's the mission. The cops know, and the fire guys down the street know what our mission is. We want everybody in our church to know what our mission is. Would that be great? So I'm trying to give you an update, some talking points, and I hope this is helpful to you. Lord Jesus, help us to embrace your mission, to respond to the invitation and the command that you've given us to be part of your mission. Thank you for each one here and the part that they have to play in it. Make us internally connected so that we can be externally focused in your name. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have uh, the ushers come forward now for our, our time of offering. And uh, if you're new here, you're visiting us, we're not asking you to give. We're asking you to pray and think about this time. Think about ways you can give to Jesus. And if you are a member, this is your time to show this way of worship.
Okay, so it's Communion Sunday, and, and you see this array of, of you know, bowls and, 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 and containers uh, holding some non-fermented grape juice and some gluten-free matzah. Jesus initiated this event we call the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, uh, the Eucharist. If you grew up in, a, in an Anglican or Catholic tradition, you probably heard it referred to as the Eucharist. Um, uh, it was part of the Mass. The Mass is all around the Eucharist, about the sacrifice of Christ. If you grew up in other traditions, uh, denominational, non-denominational, Protestant traditions, uh, you might have heard it called the, the, Holy, they call, uh, the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. All three are the same thing. So Jesus initiated this, the last meal he had with his disciples, prior to being arrested, tortured, uh, falsely convicted, crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, ascended. And so he, he initiated this meal based on the Passover meal, the, the primary event in Israel's history. They were released from captivity under Pharaoh in Egypt, and at the point that they were going to be released after this whole incredible long process of God speaking through Moses to uh, Pharaoh, uh, they were instructed to, to go into their homes, close the door, and having taken the blood from a perfectly slain lamb, a perfect lamb slain for the occasion, they were to completely cook that lamb, but they're gonna take the blood and with a piece of hyssop, it's like a natural bush, it's a, like a paintbrush, they're gonna take this blood and they were to cover from the top to the bottom of their door and side to side. So literally, you can imagine every family, the head of every family goes out with his blood and, 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 and on the, across that door goes from the top to the bottom, a line of blood and from side to side. What would that look like? A cross. I've seen people depicted as well, they took a line here, a line here. Well, no, the scriptures tell us 
what, what Moses and the people were instructed to do. The angel of death passes over that. They're released from captivity on the way to the promised land to become a people of promise. Why? So that all nations would be blessed. So this is why we have this thing called Eucharist, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. It comes out of the Passover celebration. Because at that meal, when Jesus took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. They thought, Passover, redemption, deliverance. When he took the cup and blessed it, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you do this in remembrance of me. What did they think? They thought the cup of Elijah, the prophet of God who would, who would in some way represent the coming of the Messiah. The place at every Passover table, nobody sits there, nobody touches a cup. Jesus takes that cup and says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. That means you're the Messiah. Only the Messiah would have the audacity or the confidence to say that. So Jesus inaugurates this moment, this meal, that we continue to celebrate. Why? Is it an empty exercise in religiosity? No. As a radical statement of who, to whom we belong and what our mission is. And so Jesus, the first big point of the morning, in Jesus Christ we see the grace of God extended to all nations. The love of God motivated him to fulfill the justice and mercy and grace of God in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've heard it said this way. Justice is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. That is all fulfilled in Christ on behalf of the nations. That all families on earth will be blessed. This is God's promise to Abram, later called Abraham, to the people of the promise, uh, the Israelites. And we are grafted into that as believers in the Messiah, the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel. And so we see that it's God's love that compels us to live for him, and his grace makes this possible. That's why it's the power of grace in Jesus' hands, offered us in Holy Communion, offered us in all the ways that he, he touches our lives. So the second point would be this. By his grace, Jesus provides what we need to handle life's challenges. Do you have any challenges in your life? Do the people that you know and love have any challenges in their life? Jesus' grace is the solution to not just the circumstances in our life, but to the larger purpose and meaning of our life. And so the means of this grace, the way this grace is delivered is through the word of God. It's through the sacraments, it's through prayers, through worship, singing God, to God, being silent before God. It comes through community and conversation about the things of God. It comes through various spiritual practices, maybe fasting and prayer, uh, giving, but all of it, all these things that we do, the growth we, we experience, the service we bring, all those are ways that we receive and experience the practical impact of God's grace. So where do you need grace in your life right now? Where do you need God's grace in your life right now? I want to tell you a quick story about a young police officer in London. Uh, he was taking his final exam at, at Hendon Police College. Uh, in London, north of London, in the north part of London. This is uh, where all the metropolitan policemen, if you've been to London and you've seen the Bobbies, this is where they all get trained to be officers. So at the end of this long, involved training process, and you can imagine how complicated it is to be a Bobby, a cop in London these days. So it's very involved, you know, everything from emergency to mental health to terrorists to whatever issues. So this young recruit is uh, sitting in front of the final exam, and, and, and this is the question he faces. You are on patrol in outer London, which is a sketchy part of London. 
when an explosion occurs in a gas main in a nearby street. Why? Because a gas main is like 200 years old. On investigation, you find that a large hole has been blown in the footpath and there is an overturned van lying nearby. Inside the van, there's a strong smell of alcohol. Both occupants, a man and a woman, are injured. You recognize the woman as the wife of your divisional inspector, who is at present away in the USA. A passing motorist stops to offer you assistance, and you, and you realize that this is a man wanted for armed robbery. Suddenly, a man runs out of a nearby house, shouting that his wife is expecting a baby, and the explosion has, has, has pushed her into labor, and she's going to give birth imminently. Another man is calling for help, having been blown into the adjacent canal by the explosion, and he can't swim. Describe what actions you would take. Okay. The officer thought for a moment, picked up his pen and wrote, I would take off my uniform and mingle with the crowd. <laughs> Have you ever had that kind of day? That kind of week? I had some of those days this week. Uh, you have had some of those days perhaps this week and hours and moments, maybe for a very long time and you're kind of exhausted by it. You just want to take off your uniform and mingle with the crowd. Uh, we can all relate to him, right? We all experience this. And so the third point is this. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church about persevering by grace. If grace is what we need to handle life's challenges, is this Bobby needed to be able to say, okay, what do I do? Somebody jump in the canal and get the guy. I'll talk to my boss later about his wife. Uh, let's help the lady having the baby, etc., etc. God gives us presence of mind through his grace, the guidance of his word, the help of his people, the power of his Holy Spirit. And we see that that always comes in very difficult circumstances, which we are always in. In one form or another, you are in challenging circumstances. And just when your life comes together in the way you've been hoping and planning and praying, somebody's life around you is not, and therefore you're completely pulled in again. So Paul uh, writes to the Thessalonian church. Why? Because they were experiencing massive amounts of pushback uh, from the Romans, from the Greeks, from the, from the various uh, ideologies and philosophies uh, that, that, that were competing for people's attention. The irony is that the followers of Jesus were considered atheists, and here's why. That if you didn't believe in the pantheon of gods that the Greeks would put forward or that the Romans would enforce, and especially if you didn't believe that Caesar was the ultimate expression of God, by definition, you were an atheist. Well, no, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God, the, God, the, the fulfillment of God's promises to Israel. You're a bigger atheist than I thought. And so they're getting a lot of pushback and even persecution. So Paul writes this, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, giving you the strength and everything you need to grow into the fullness of what he's doing in you. And that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Paul's saying, I know you want to get it right. He's calling for me this goodness you didn't know you even possessed, and you want to do something about it. And yet you're finding this pushback and this harassment, this distraction within the church and around the church. But guess what? It's God's power that is bringing to fruition what he's begun in you. We are, we are an on-demand, not just in time, but before I even think about it, I want stuff in, in front of me. We are an impatient people, and we bring that with us into the body of Christ. Why is God letting us go through something? Just get it over with. We're ready to move on. Why? Because he's going to teach us his grace in the midst of it. He even uses the adverse circumstances in life to teach us things that we need to know. 
that we need to internalize to make us strong. And what does he say here? The power to bring it to fruition. Every desire for goodness and deed prompted by faith. This is what gives your faith staying power. Otherwise, our faith is just wishful thinking, good intentions. And, we, and as soon as the defecation hits the ventilation, you want to take off our uniform and mingle into the crowd. He goes on to say, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in, in, in the next few verses, and so may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and loves us, and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts. Encourage, encourage, French, make your hearts strong. and strengthen you in every good deed and word. We come into the body of Christ like babes, undeveloped, weak, dependent. As we grow in our faith, as we grow in our knowledge and love of God, as, we, as he gives us experiences that develop our muscles, strengthens our heart, deepens our capacity to think his thoughts after him. We go through these very difficult circumstances, sometimes of our own making, sometimes imposed on us by the culture. Sometimes uh, through people's intentions and motives that are absolutely evil. In all of that, God uses it for his goodness and his glory and ours. For our goodness and to develop in us the capacity to, to, to be his partner in his work in the world. You are that person. We can't assign this to other people, pastors or other people who seem to have uh, the capacity to do the things that we don't think we can do and don't want to do. We're all a priesthood of believers that's the message here. We're all on a mission for God. And so let's prepare for Holy Communion by, by praying this. Lord, teach me to hunger and thirst for you above all else. I am so wired to hunger and thirst for safety and comfort. For protection from anything that might be unsettling and uncomfortable. So are you. Let's pray, Lord, show me how to glorify your name in my words and deeds, not through my good intentions, but by cooperating with your work in me, that you're calling forth for me, something I know is there and I want to somehow operationalize, but I don't know how. And God himself, through his word, through his spirit, through his people, right, all these means of grace, is calling forth that from you. You might be sitting here and say, I'm 80 years old and I'm for the first time ever opening my heart to God. Is it too late for me? No. You might be saying, well, I'm young. I'll get to this when I get older. Is it too soon for me? No. Well, I'm really in dire straits, or I'm morally compromised, or I've got these other issues. Does that disqualify me? No. Your confession of faith, Lord, I believe in you, is all we need to come to this table and receive Holy Communion. This is what the church is. It's this outrageous example of God's grace among people who don't deserve it, but absolutely need it. And we become the demonstration case for the rest of the world to say, if it can work for her, if it can work for him, maybe it can work for me. If I see them recovering from difficulties the way they're recovering from that, in Jesus' name, maybe there's something to this. Maybe it's not just happy talk, wishful thinking. Maybe there's something substantive and transformational and even radical. So this moment to receive Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, is a radical statement that I believe I belong to God. 
not by anything I deserve or I've done, but by his incredible gift given to me in Jesus Christ. So that means that everybody is welcome to receive it in Jesus' name. If you're saying, I, I don't believe in Jesus, well, then this is not for you yet. We don't impose this on you. But for you who, in any capacity, whether you've been far from God, or you just met God, or you're strong with God, it's for all of us to come forward. I want to invite those who are, who are going to be um, serving Holy Communion uh, to come forward at this time. And you'll hear words like this from them. This is Christ's body given for you. This is Christ's blood shed for you. And simply take some of the, the, the matzah and dip it into the cup. And so from wherever you are, go to the place that's most convenient for you and receive Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. Come back and we'll conclude with a benediction. Lord Jesus, we commit these elements to you, recognizing uh, they're simple. And yet they're profound because in a mysterious way you are in these elements. You are in this place. You are in us by faith. And we pray, Lord, that this would be not only a sign or a symbol, but it would be truly the substance of the work that you're doing in each one of us to equip us and empower us, to heal us, and to send us into a world that desperately needs what you alone can provide. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.